Hello and welcome to the Outlier Marketer Show. I'm your host, Praveen Shekhar, and it is my privilege to have one new guest per week to talk about various aspects of thinking, acting, being different. Just a minute while I have to sort out a few things here. There is a change in generational thinking process from the research background. They earlier said every five years, there's a generational thought change. Well, if you ask me, as a father of uh, two teenage girls, I'll tell you it doesn't last that long at all. Three years may be tops, but there is quite a lot happening. What can we do as people, as parents, as uh, um, entrepreneurs? How do we know what is happening? How do we get the change? How do we adapt and learn? It is something like continuing to run. And it is our privilege today to have a senior teenager, Neerja Singh amidst our midst, who uh, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. So can you in the question panel. A brief about Neerja, three generational books, a YouTube channel on Gen Next, a professional column on keeping pace with the young, a university gold medal in philosophy, life design program for teens, and a signature millennium mantra. What she hasn't told here in the introduction, but which I know is she cycled from Delhi to Chandigarh, uh, not on any of the fancy bikes, but in the old heavy cycle that is there. Neerja has invested in turning generational differences into dividends at work, at home. She is the senior teenager. She's a professional speaker with over 37 years of experience across these generations. She is also the current president of the Professional Speaking Association of India. And she's here to tell us more about what are these generational differences and how can you and I know and adapt and learn. So welcome, Neerja. Thank you, Praveen. Thank you very much. And uh, you put it uh, you know, right on dot when you talked about learning and unlearning in this entire process of understanding generational differences. That is what we need to do today, unlearn, learn, and then relearn. So that is the basic premise of covering this gap between generations, Praveen. Thank you. Neerja, I am an outlier yes. marketer. The minute I find some different, unique positioning, my antennae go up. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, tell us more about this moniker of yours, Teenager. Right. I started calling, my, uh, calling myself a Teenager because um, I considered myself a millennial in spirit with the benefit of hindsight. And I did this when I started uh, studying, researching and writing about the generation gap. And uh, here I was uh, with the shared experiences, lived experiences with my generation. And yet with the characteristics of the millennials, like the millennials, I'm ambitious. Like them, I'm tech savvy. Like them, I suffer from a severe, severe form of FOMO, fear of missing out. Praveen, I've not yet hit JOMO, joy ah. of missing out. So I'm still, still on FOMO. And right. that's how I decided to call myself a teenager. That's uh, the background to this moniker, Praveen. Oh, brilliant. Because the, the, even for the first time we interacted uh, a couple of years ago, the teenager thing popped out and that definitely is eye-catching Nirja. So I guess you're already speaking significantly in the new gen lingo, which I'm yet to catch up on. But that leads me. Can you give us some examples of these generational differences? You also consult, you coach, you have these programs. And I'd love to know, as for myself and for the audience as well, generational differences. 
what are these how do they exemplify themselves right uh, praveen i will uh, answer that by asking you a question have you ever suffered a quarter life crisis have you oh, or yes you have okay yeah. then uh, you were also a millennial a senior like me many people of my generation have not experienced what they call a quarter life crisis then uh, something called a millennial burnout again it's a phrase and a term that uh, my generation is unfamiliar with because we were brought up to just keep marching like good soldiers and uh, emotions and feelings were not as significant we in fact were taught to repress our emotions not express ourselves too much but uh, this is a major difference between us and the next generation because we are moving from a knowledge economy to what is called a feelings economy because most of the things that humans are doing right now with the artificial artificial intelligence coming up those are going to be done by computers so what are humans going to do and therefore this talk of moving towards a feelings economy that changes everything your reference points change you're going to work backwards from different outcomes that you desire and that is where this entire uh, attempt and study of the generation gap because today it is a defining parameter in fact uh, i'll go so far as to say that generational praveen is the only relevant relevant diversity today everything else comes second and is close to non existent today if you really sit down and pay attention ah uh. feelings economy i'm going to hold on to it and come back to you on that nirja that's such a brilliant way to put it in but i'm i do not know if you've seen the movie the intern i loved the yes. movie um yes. and does that in a in a way address what you talk about generational diversity nirja it does because uh, there it's a, a reverse uh, mentoring taking place there the values from two different generations they are uh, learning from each other or they've uh, you know uh, gone beyond their differences and learned to leverage each other's strength the strength in that movie and uh, how they make up for each other's uh, let's say shortcomings and how they are able to achieve what they set out to do and that is what generational uh, understanding today has to look like and that is what my attempt is when i talk about generation gap and how to uh, cover it how to cross over the idea is to interpret the two languages to to make people understand that this exists especially in india praveen there is a, there's a feeling that generation gap has always been there and uh, what's the big deal today and uh, here in our country it's largely covert it's not overt because uh, we our family structure is so strong a lot of it goes unacknowledged openly in the pop culture let's say or in the media and uh, there's a belief that is only limited to urban spaces but uh, that's not my contention i know for a fact that it exists and it is causing that disconnect today can be dangerous it can cause in some cases mental stress mental health issues estrangement between families and even loss of life so yes to answer your question the movie in turn does uh, is representative of what a fine teamwork could look like 
and uh, it is it is so pertinent today because uh, we have colleagues all over working from wherever and if i do not understand the generational gap or divide or uh, uh, the need work becomes very stressful both ways you know i'm i'm Absolutely. 46 yeah, and uh, if i have to talk to my daughters i have to insta chat and something that i have to learn on because that's their language and i have to communicate with them that's got to come in but i want to come back to the word that you told feelings economy and as a marketer isn't that what we are appealing to to make positive change happen to get that connect i will have to connect to the feeling of the person i'm speaking to which is which spans generations so to me it is never one single market one but can i extrapolate it to this generation the sentence is used in derivation but i am using it more as let's say people born between 2000 to 2005 is it right on my part or any marketer's part to club them together as one generation or are there quite a lot of differences there nisha all right uh, so praveen there are differences for instance uh, the generation before me let's say uh, they were defined by consumption that's a value that moved them then the next generation came along and for them status became very important therefore big cars big houses and uh, jewelry and external display of power and wealth then along come millennials who are looking for experiences so you see the difference the values that move them and what they want to do with their lives and now we have the gen z 1995 onwards this generation is being called generation the true generation because mm. for them the true the truth the generation that's looking for truth because for them what is important is their sense of identity they also being called the identity nomads they're taking longer to decide what they are who they are and what they want to be and therefore you see them struggling with their gender struggling with uh, what they want to do with their lives Uh, they are different from millennials um, they value ethics far more they will not buy many of them will not buy my daughter my younger one doesn't buy from amazon she goes physically to buy whatever she wants to buy because she believes amazon ill treats their employees it's it's her opinion it's her research that tells us so so generations are different and uh, every value they will um, they will hold uh, you know they will uh, look for it or it means uh, something to them to varying degrees so when you say can you club them together no i don't think you can club them together for example for my generation for your generation for the generation after us you clearly had uh, in shops clothes posh uh, you know um, areas marked his and hers but for gen z they want the freedom a girl wants the freedom to dress up like a boy a boy wants freedom to paint his nails they want a unisex uh, clothes line so that is what the marketer has to keep in mind that their needs are different the dolls you will design for them are different the games that you will sell them are different the courses of study that you will pitch to them are different the jobs that they are preparing themselves for are different because this generation has to prepare themselves to play a role in the economy of their future and we can't be imposing our assumptions on them so well, that's what i feel about the market yes 
Thank you. Thank you, Nirja. Of course, there's so much for us to look at. And also as an entrepreneur, as a colleague, there is a need for me to understand what I call, I need to keep running from what you tell Nirja, because if it's going to change every couple of years, uh, I have to keep running, learn, unlearn, and then share that across with the rest of the team so that we get the work done. Uh, but the one thing that hit me right up in the face when we were recruiting the Gen Z is uh, they are in your face and they have no problem talking about it. My generation, we could not talk back. We will have to be very subtle and polite. And I'm going to give you an example here of a person we were interviewing to handle our YouTube channels. Hmm. So I finished my questioning and he started saying, you've written books, but uh, I'm never going to read your books. Praveen. I said, why? Oh, it takes forever. If you have shorter videos, two minutes, three minutes of your books, I'll be happy yes. to read. But I'm not going to. And I was surprised that this generation is coming and openly telling that in an interview, which, how do I put it? It uh, was a breath of uh, air. It is fresh, but it took a while for me to reconcile with it. And Absolutely. from what you were telling, Nirja, uh, we will need to understand and reconcile faster to be in sync. Absolutely, Praveen, because... I've had my older one take take on Oyo on Twitter, go after companies, hammer and tong. And my husband and I have sat there shuddering in our boats and saying, no, you don't do this. You don't do this. We've had our girls go to the Shaheen Bagh and sit there in the middle of the night and cry to us that we are not using our influence to do anything for the young people who are being brutalized by the police. So, yes, this generation is like that. They are call them clickwitists, they are mocked, that all they do is uh, act on uh, Twitter or the social uh, handle, you know, media handles and just click. But I don't think that's entirely true because these are products of their times. And you're right. They are open about uh, what they feel, what they see. They express themselves quite honestly, particularly the newest ones, Gen Z, because for them, ethics, 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 it matters. Authenticity matters. No, and their uh, meters for bullshit. They uh, <laughs> sense, yes, the bullshit meter is very, very sensitive. So they will, uh, what they will do is I find that they tune you out and um, they're not going to spend time on you. They are also very careful about uh, getting value for their time, Praveen. So if they're, this generation talks like that, so if they're going to spend half an hour with you, what value are they getting in that half an hour? Are they learning something? Are they adding anything to their knowledge? That's how uh, they look at it. So in a, in a way, it's transactional in nature. But uh, I think that's the demand of the time because uh, technology and going digital has turned overturned everything. Whatever we knew in the past doesn't apply anymore. And um, that's how this generation is. And I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing for mankind, all in all. No more hypocrisy, no more hiding behind masks. Sometimes it gets a bit too much in your face. That's where that intergenerational understanding and empathy, what I talk about, needs to come in. Right. When I look at hiring some of the Gen Z folks, um, Nirja, they are very clear that they want to be a part of the gig economy. They want to freelance. They want to have the freedom of going wherever they want and do not want to be shackled by a nine to five. Uh, is this the new norm? Is this something that we have to get used to as entrepreneurs, marketers, colleagues? It is. 
It is. And uh, remember that uh, the kind of uh, diet that they've been brought up on, the kind of uh, entrepreneurial talk and uh, examples that they're seeing around them, uh, that's how they've uh, grown up. They're growing up on stories of uh, Jeff Bezos and Peter Thiel and uh, Mark Zuckerberg and all these people, the tech titans. And uh, so there's a great entrepreneurial spirit, but also a great value that they uh, about, uh, value that they put to work-life balance. So this generation probably may not want to pick up your phone after 6.30. They might want Saturday and Sunday completely to themselves. Praveen, I was doing a millennial workshop for managers in a company where one of the managers said that uh, they had a particularly brilliant young person who they wanted to mentor other young people. And our generation would have been flattered to do that. We would have been kicked at having been picked for this responsibility. But this boy, he said, I don't want to give time to this because I need my time alone. I need to go into the mountains. I need to do the things that I want to do. So for them, what makes them happy, what lifts them, what makes them feel wholesome is very important. So yes, this uh, generation is like that and gig economy because it gives them flexibility. It gives them freedom as you just rightly pointed out. And it's here to stay. We, we, we talk, yes, we speakers talk about multiple sources of income. My children talk about uh, how badly, Praveen, we have managed our finances. And uh, where is the, they say, where is the passive income? Where, where, are the, where are the investments? How could you have just been uh, depending on a salary? And for the earlier generation, a secure salary job was everything. But this generation doesn't think so. Just as they don't like to own cars, they'd rather hire an Uber and by the way, that brings me to this uh, one particular thought that just jumped into my head for Gen Z. Gen Z, it's access. I was talking about consumption being important, status being important, experiences being important for millennials. For Gen Z, it is access, access to information, access to the subscription, what you call subscription economy of knowledge on newspapers or magazine, access to esports, because for them, they've they have known nothing else. They don't remember a world without internet. They just jump straight into it. So this is, I think this is here to stay and the employers will have to find ways to leverage this and start looking at its pluses, Praveen. Nirja, you mentioned about a millennial workshop that you take. Could you share something, uh, some more information about it? Yes, Praveen, this is a, a workshop that I do with uh, the HR managers and they're typically in their 40s. They have their seniors also. What's happening is the seniors, a little older, they just shut their cabins and sit inside. They don't want to have to deal with the dresses that these young people come wearing to the offices or the kind of demands they make on the company for the transport. Uh, even that transport coming from home to work needs to be an experience. So if it's a transport with four people, five people packed into it, there are problems there. Or uh, there are young people who are telling them that uh, they're not morning person. They're not a morning person. They don't mind staying up late at night working, but uh, they cannot catch up to work at nine o'clock. And this is happening particularly in the tech industry because there, the onboarding is uh, much younger in the sense that 
younger people join this uh, particular industry. So this workshop is for that manager who's in their age range of about 45 years and is going into depression because he feels that he's not doing a good job of leading and motivating the millennials who work under him. So I met this young manager who at a particular workshop told me how he spent his nights watching Netflix, Netflix series that his uh, juniors were watching and discussing because he felt left out and the only way he could establish a connection with them was to be familiar with the culture that they enjoy. So the millennial managing mantra, I call it the millennial managing mantra and uh, I offer it to companies where they're having trouble, they're losing out on productivity, the attrition rate is high, there is, there is a dissatisfaction because the young people demanding to see the budget, they're demanding to see the minutes of the meeting, of board meetings sometimes, they're, and they're threatening some of them. When they're dissatisfied, they go straight to Twitter, or they'll go straight to YouTube, or they'll go, you know, go straight to some domain where they'll start airing their grievances. So these are the issues that, um, that I address through this workshop, uh, Praveen. Nirja, my request, please don't stop with the HR department. There are CEOs and marketers in the 45 age yes, group. Who, yes. you know, your help and uh, I, yes. I definitely I am a part of that. So please, uh, I would reach out to you outside this as well, because this is this is a serious issue. And India is a young country. We have a whole yes. lot of people who exactly. are coming in. Exactly. Exactly. Now, Even more so. Yes. yes. How did you decide on this as a topic for your workshop, consulting and professional speaking, Nirja? Well, uh, I was completely uh, blind to this area, uh, Praveen, until 2013. And in 2013, uh, what happened was there were these two personal incidents which uh, threw me completely off balance. Uh, there was a, my husband retired from the Air Force and uh, in Barmer district in 2013, there was an air crash, a MiG-21 crashed and the 24, 25 year old pilot was killed. And imagine the loss, uh, the life, the young potential life and this national property and the aircraft is uh, also their loss. But what shook me was the reason. The reason was social media addiction. Imagine. Here is a force which has not maybe anticipated it fast enough that uh, this could happen with the young people or they could be up at night on WhatsApp with their girlfriends or whatever, some friends, and then uh, sleep deprivation leading to such a such a massive tragedy. This was one. And second incident in the same year, my elder daughter who was studying at the law school then Again, completely unexpected. She's a state level boxer, highly accomplished young woman, but started going into a decline. And it was very difficult for us to understand why it was happening because everybody says uh, she has everything. So why is she depressed? That, and that's a question that comes up. A lot of mental health issues you will see around you today. And people say, why are the young people, they have family support, they have enough money, they have opportunities, they have an Ivy League education. So what excuse do they have for going into a depression or any kind of a decline? Now to understand what was happening, 
I started looking at pop culture. I started looking at the music they were consuming, the books they were reading, the messages they were getting. And again, Praveen, most of the content they consume is American. We Indians, and as parents and as a nationality, we haven't provided any alternative. We jumped onto this bandwagon of sending them to great schools because education mattered for us. I grew up watching Oprah Winfrey and Oprah Winfrey used to say, education, education, education all the time. And here you are, you know, <laughs> trying to give them, focusing on their CV and making sure they go into the best schools. You know what Indian parents are, they will invest so heavily in their children. And then what happens is the children are getting mixed messages from the environment. So they're trying to fit into an Indian, uh, Indian reference points, yet trying to acquire a global identity and trying to maintain their roots. So a lot of, lot of confusion and stress and a lot of new issues proving that we are unaware of, for instance, the gender identity mental health issues, this thing about emotions being so big a deal. So that is when I started reading about it. I kept reading, kept reading, kept reading, and I started writing about it. And I said, this is a gap. More people need to know so that they're not caught off guard like I was caught off guard. I was caught completely off guard. I had my blinkers on, assumptions. Writing, you mentioned about it. Tell us about your books. Yes, my books uh, are, uh, the newest one is on Gen Z. I decided to focus on Gen Z. What are the characteristics? What are the uh, influences that are shaping them? What does the future look like? Because they are the ones that are defining our, uh, actually they're dictating terms to everybody today. They are. So they, 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 they literally are telling us what direction we need to take. If your child questions you on the climate or on your, like I said, your investment choices or your child tells you, why are you not constructing a bunker for the safety of the family and how many people can fit into the bunker because the water is going to come and take over and it's not so far in the future. And that's how life has been, Praveen. Mankind's our history has been like that. Things steal up on us. We don't anticipate many of us. And before you know it's happened, before you know the smartphone has happened, and before you know that epidermis, uh, in, you know, under the epidermis, you will have that chip where you'll, this, this, your, uh, you'll be fiddling here. Yes, you don't even need the smartphone. The smartphone is projected to be obsolete very soon. Ooh. So... These things, exoskeleton, for example, suits uh, that you can make bodily suits or different ways of uh, transportation, loops, those hyperloops in what are they call? I think they call uh, loops uh, around the cities. Uh, yes. We are hearing, yes, we are hearing of smart cities, not hearing, smart cities exist today. We debate, keep debating on uh, screen time panic and why screen, how screen time is not good for the young but uh, you're moving towards a future where there'll be screens all around you. And perhaps humans will just metamorphose or something will happen to our bodies that we just stop being affected by it as much as we are getting affected today because your physiology also changes depending on the environment. So the books 
are again uh, one book is on no time to be young there i've tried to say how basically um, explore all the different aspects over which generations uh, have you know some kind of a tiff so tattoos for instance or consumption now consumption the fact that marijuana is like soft drink today it's like chungam it's <laughs> and for and that people like me if somebody said you know i remember a gathering of young people at my home and they were talking about getting some paper and i call my uh, buddy my helper i said tell me what chart paper do you want he can quickly go and get it i didn't know what paper they're talking about so this is this is generation gap isn't it you don't know that red eyes means that the young person has been well busy and that if your namkeen is disappearing from the house teachers school teachers not knowing what the signs are not knowing how to tell differentiate a cigarette from a joint or not being familiar with something called vaping which looks like a pen drive <laughs> not being this is uh, and these things are happening right under your noses you cannot help you cannot i'm not talking about prohibition no i'm not talking about prohibition i'm talking about education if i know what it is what the effects are what the downside is i can at least educate the child so that the child doesn't go overboard or is not exploited for example the quality of the marijuana that young people consume and that it can come laced and where are they buying from from is it safe for them all these things so the books books are to um, again like i like i said to put together all this information and uh, hope that uh, people will open their eyes because uh, i think we are delusional we like to tell ourselves not my child not my child but uh, that's not true praveen they are very very connected the children and uh, we could be we could be surprised well yes. right after the discussion i'm going to shut everything through and binge on netflix for the next <laughs> two and a half <laughs> just to sink in <laughs> Reddit, uh, Reddit, go on Reddit also. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of questions there, but before that, one final question from my side, Nirja. I am a yes. book lover. You can see behind. And what is the one book that uh, you love and would recommend to the audience? Okay, uh, the one book, and it's in the context of generation gap. There is a writer by the name of Dr. John Duffy, D U F F Y. He's written a book. bringing up the new team bringing up the new team in times in these times of anxiety it's a long name and don't be fooled by the word teens there that book is applicable to the young irrespective of whether they are millennials gen z alpha which is coming up or go a little up to gen x also because it's it's a very very thought through book and uh, a very original perspective i was stunned pravin when i read that book I, i and i've gone over it multiple times and i've drawn upon it in major ways because he talks a lot of sense and he talks about how this generation needs mighty bosses mighty parents mighty teachers this gener- this young generation needs us to be mighty so our role is not over we need to continue to be relevant and be really mighty because 
they are trying to survive in a world that is much harsher than I grew up in, perhaps you and I grew up in. Thank you. Thank you, Nirja. For the viewers, you'd be wondering what's a marketer doing talking to a teenager. Well, <laughs> all of our marketers, there's so much more that we need to understand. Marketing is not snake oil sales, but to make positive change happen to the person who needs that change. And therefore, this yes. is absolutely important for us to know, for me to know as a CEO, marketer and a dad. Uh, and I have one question here from Swati Maya Nirja. I'm going to read the question. Can we see in another way that most of the young generation have seen their parents' journey, which in turn has taught them for this shortcut solution? I prefer carrying boxes to hotels and restaurants in order to get parcels to avoid plastic. So what's your view on this? Thank you, Swati Maya. All right. Uh, so what I understand from Swati's question is that, uh, that the younger people are... Um, taking shortcuts no they they uh, they are going in prepared because they know what they want she carries a a box okay so yes parcels yeah absolutely absolutely that's true and again this is uh, uh, this is exactly what i was saying that they're far more environmentally conscious far more uh, uh, inclined uh, towards social justice and uh, far more uh, able to picture sorry, far more able to visualize the bigger picture than uh, we used to be because many of them are minimalists. They don't want to uh, consume too much. They want, uh, like I said, truth, their own identity and access for the younger generation, not so much consumption or status or uh, any of those um, experiences that even the millennials went after. So this generation, the new generation is like that. And I think kudos to them for this. I admire them for this. Uh, yeah, this value that they, they live by. They live by this value. Right. A comment from Divakar Puri. It's the millennials fire triangle, three sides that we must know. My interaction must be meaningful Two, know that I'm an explorer. And three, once you engage with me, I may need results decisions quickly. So thank Absolutely. you. Um, comments quite a lot coming in. Uh, there's a question from Manasa Pillai. She's an educationist. They say that schools will be the only organizations which we will go back to for on-site learning. NEP, National Education Policy 2020, shows focus on ECCE. I do not know what that is. What are your thoughts on that schools will be the only organization we will go back to? Not offices, not somewhere else, but schools are uh, we're going to be bouncing back. What are your thoughts? Amasa, my thoughts on that uh, are that um, schools, in fact, uh, in my opinion, are becoming irrelevant. Uh, I, and let me hasten to explain quickly. I've been a teacher. I uh, work on social emotional learning. But what's happening is that um, online learning so much is available and the content that we are delivering in our schools is not relevant, is not applying. So when young people find that it's not working for them, and Coursera is available, Udemy is available, personal learning clouds are available, LinkedIn learning is available. There are a whole lot of these plethora of uh, places you can go to for knowledge and you can pick and choose. So self-directed learning, this is a thing that is uh, homeschooling, for instance, unheard of for our generation, but you find more and more young people today who are uh, teaching themselves and um, I think schools, the brick and mortar schools are on their way to becoming irrelevant. Let's see what happens, but that's what I believe. 
on my front nirja the connections i made in school our generation was different but yeah. the connections i made in school and college uh, touch would still linger along that the bonds are extremely strong um as they say there is a question from uh, varun uh, the conversation that's going through is an eye opener for people like us who are on the brink of getting burnouts can you please enlighten more about the midlife crisis and how to get rid of it i'll answer that praveen but to quickly uh, you said something about the real connections let me tell you one thing for this generation the only real connection they feel is with nature uh, and with animals that's it so even their friendships are um, less said the better so that's how it is and they they do feel more authentic online many of them feel more authentic online than they feel offline so that's one thing i wanted to share with you about connection part and about midlife crisis midlife crisis is um, i don't think uh, i at least i think that uh, we don't have the luxury uh, it's a, maybe a, a insensitive way of putting it but i don't believe we have the luxury of a midlife crisis and the reason is that our children need us to be around for them far longer they're taking longer to launch themselves they're taking longer to be emotionally independent they're taking longer to be economically independent they're just taking longer and even when they become independent they're coming back sometimes for a second uh, degree or sometimes because they're not married and they don't have an anchor or they're uh, trying to work through a breakup so these are experiences which are a little new and uh, they exhaust them they um, i mean they they really kind of put them in a vulnerable position and of course then a home is one sanctuary so that 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 luxury for a burnout midlife crisis i believe doesn't exist and even if it does uh there are um, you you'll you'll find your way to work through it so uh, like i did i <laughs> i started i continued uh, dancing i started learning new skills i learned i started joined spanish classes i joined fox trot and uh, rock and roll classes i started cycling i knew only freestyle but sorry i knew only the breast stroke in swimming but just about a year ago i taught myself the remaining three strokes so now i can do i can do butterfly also my arms don't come out properly but some kind of a butterfly i managed i learned the freestyle so my suggestion to anyone who feels they are in a midlife crisis is learn new things learn new things join some so new new yes learn so learn new things so that you and i can continue to be teenagers at heart and the way yes, we are doing it absolutely <laughs> absolutely oh nirja it's always such a pleasure to talk to you and thank you very much for poking holes in my mind balloon and the fact that i will need to learn so much more starting with going and hugging my girls and also switching on the tv and trying to learn a little bit of the lingo not uh, to fake it but to really see if i there is a connection that can be established connection, connection is the most important absolutely lovely yes, thank you nirja thank you very much a pleasure praveen thank you thank